Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, welcome, friends, to Praying for America. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here. Always great to have you with us. You know, the book is making its rounds. The Democrat Party Hates America by Mark Levin. And uh, it is a book that I hope you have already purchased and are already reading. As I mentioned, uh, after I go through a few items in the news about the dynamics of the 2024 race on both sides of the aisle, uh, we want to start going into this book, and uh, you will not regret. It's a, it's a lengthy book; it's almost 400 pages. Uh, but and the end notes—I mean, it's just a—it's—it's it's facts. It contains thousands of facts backing up the the uh, provocative statement: "The Democrat Party hates America." It's not just meant to be provocative, as some book titles are. It's simply a statement of fact, and it's a conclusion you will come to once you read these pages and look at these resources. Let's pray first. I want to uh, pray the uh, the beautiful prayer that we've, we find in uh, Luke's gospel, the, the canticle of praise to God that Mary said upon uh, hearing that she would be the mother of God. Um, let us turn to uh, God's word in that way. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant, Behold, henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham, and his posterity forever. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for these words of praise which your, your body, the church, lifts up to you each day. Inspired words of praise. Lord God, you do indeed lift up the lowly. And we here in America, knowing the dangers that our nation faces, ask you to lift us up from those dangers lift, lift us up from all that oppresses us. Lift us up from the political oppression of tyranny. Lift us up, Lord God, by your grace, but allow that grace to inspire us to take the actions we need to take. Voting, voting for the right people, getting others to vote. Inspire us, Lord, and sustain us in this battle. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I always loved listening to Dick Morris. You know, he uh, he made it clear in his weekend commentary. President Trump has now gotten to the point of having a dominant lead in this race far beyond anything he has had in any polling 
in the past. We're not just talking about this blowout in the primary. We're talking about in a general election matchup of Biden uh, against Trump. Uh, Trump is is consistently leading. The only polls that don't have him leading have it in a statistical tie, which, of course, means he's ahead. Uh, And um, this is just this is just amazing. Now, you know, some of the um, I mean, it's an unheard of lead. And, And this is an important talking point. You know, one of the things I try to do in reflecting on on what's going on in the political news, uh, so much of which, uh, you know, it's, it's not like I'm bringing you uh, to something you haven't haven't necessarily heard already. But that to but to craft uh, ways of talking about this to our to our fellow voters, I mean, any kind of criticism they want to have of 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 President Trump, you know, the fact of the matter is, he's way ahead. And anybody that tries to say, oh, he can't win in the general, what what you got to say to them in the response is, hey, the polls say different. The polls say different. The polls say he is winning uh, in um, in in uh, an analysis of the general. And, and that's both when you look nationwide and also you look at the key states. But, you know, again, looking at the minority populations, uh, he won in 2020 12 percent of the black vote. Do you know what the polling suggests now he draws from the black vote? between 20 and 25%. His favorability, his, his, his pull of black votes, one of the four constituencies on which the Democrats solidly rely, President Trump's pull of that vote is going up and up and up, only 12% in 2020, and now it's polling more like 20 to 25%. That is very significant. Likewise, among Hispanics, he, he got historic highs among the Hispanic vote, 33%. And now the polling is closing in on 40%. Again, a constituency that the Democrats traditionally rely on. You know, a lot of their self-confident boasting about winning elections is based on a calculus that they have in their minds, a calculus of presuming that they will get certain constituencies, the blacks, the Hispanics, and then the third category, the youth of our country. But right now, for President Trump, that's closing in on 20%. And then finally, there's a fourth group, single white women. And I'm going to get into a little bit of that. Mark Levin comments on that in his book. Uh, Single white women is where the Democrats, uh, they rely on that. And what they're playing to that audience, the Democrats, is the abortion issue. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that's where, where I'm involved on, on a full-time basis, dealing with this issue, presenting it to the American people. And uh, we have got to make the case very clear that the extremists on that issue are not the Republicans. See, here's, let me just summarize this for you briefly. You know, we, we, we've gone into this in more detail in other programs. We'll talk about it more in, in future programs. What the Democrats want you to think and want our fellow citizens to think, is that on abortion, the choice they have is either maintaining their reproductive rights, so therefore elect Democrats, or the Republicans are going to come away, come here and they're going to take away, completely take away your right to abortion. They're going to ban all abortion. Here's how we have to frame this issue. It's very simple. If you want more abortion, America, Choose the Democrats. If you want more abortion, if you don't think there's enough abortions going on, 
If you want fewer abortions, choose the Republicans. That's the choice. Where exactly those boundaries are, well, on the Democrat side, they want abortion without any restrictions. And, and, and you can prove that by pointing to the states that have unrestricted abortion laws passed by Democrats, by Democrats only. And the federal bill they've introduced to take away all restrictions on abortion, including parental involvement in abortion of minors, versus on the Republican side, uh, they're arguing about where exactly you draw the line. But, but the fact of the matter is they want less abortion than the unrestricted policy that in practice we have had it for 50 years in this country and that in their proposals the Democrats want to not only continue but increase the numbers of abortions. I think the, clearly the question boils down to America. You want more abortion or you want less? And there's no question, again, where this will about, but there's no question. You choose Democrats, there's going to be more abortion. You choose Republicans, there's going to be less. Now, the bottom line also is we are the compassionate ones. And that's what Republican candidates have to learn how to talk about and to convey. We are the, we are the people of compassion when it comes to this issue. Why? Because the pro-life movement is not only in practice running four times as many pro-life pregnancy centers as there are abortion clinics, but also including in these pro-life bills, the other side wants to call them bans, but including in these bills more money for these pregnancy centers and for alternatives to abortion. It's like, wait a minute, we're helping them choose. We're helping them choose wisely. We're helping them choose well. We're not abandoning them. We're not restricting, you know, the, the rhetoric on this is just unbelievable. But the main point I wanted to make here is, yes, President Trump is doing extremely well in all of this. Now, looking at what's going on on the other side of the aisle, the Democrats are they're in a, they've got a real difficult situation. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit before. You know, what do you do with Biden? He's obviously uh, incompetent, incapable. He's a, he's a corrupt, lying. Uh, I, I mean, again, for, as far as talking points with your fellow voters, somebody tries to say what the Democrats are spewing or the left-wing media is spewing, but I repeat myself. Oh, there's no evidence. There's no evidence of any uh, legal doings of, of Joe Biden. And you know what you got to do at this point? You got to just laugh at these people. The evidence is overwhelming. Whether you're talking about bank records, tapes, uh, audios, texts, emails, whistleblowers, FBI documents, uh, uh, testi testimony given in Congress. What more evidence do you want? 10% goes to the big guy. And it, it, I mean, it's all over the place. It's been all over the place for months and months and months and months. And you got to mock these people. Say, hey, oh, what cave have you been living in? I mean, really, you got to mock them. What cave have you been like, No evidence? What's, what, where, what planet did you just land from? You know, really. I mean, you got to make fun of these people because what more do you say? I mean, they, they've abandoned reason. The evidence is right there. Congress had so much of it that they started this formal impeachment inquiry to get more legal standing in order to grab more information. That's the, you know, you think, oh, well, it's Congress, you know, they investigate, they can get information. It's not that easy. People don't cooperate. Institutions don't cooperate. Other agencies of the federal government don't cooperate. And so by launching an official impeachment inquiry, if your friends or you're talking about this, they try to say to you, oh, that's just a political motive, politically motivated. No, there's concrete evidence and they want more, but they can't get more unless they 
put themselves, if you will, on a higher legal footing. That's how this works. And they'll be able then to get more information from both agencies of government and from the, uh, from the private sector. The, it, the information is out there. It's, it's, it's a mountain of evidence. Okay. But what we're also finding, and Dick Morris wrote about this too over the weekend, RFK Jr., interesting guy, right? Says a lot of things that many grassroots Democrats find much more reasonable and resonating with, with them uh, than um, the left-wing radical lunatics. And so, therefore, he's a threat. He's a threat to the Democrat Party. This is why they're not, they don't float his name and say, oh, what happens if Biden doesn't end up being the nominee? Oh, and they float names like Davin Newsom, Michelle Obama, who are so, both of them would be so, sure, they could, I could see them getting the, getting the nomination on the Democrat side, but I can't see them winning the general. They are so out of, completely out of touch with mainstream America on policy. But RFK is a little bit more, Moderate there, and uh, well, a lot more moderate when you look at the left-wing lunatics. And uh, this is why they see him as such a problem. Well, start looking at this statistically. And pollster John McLaughlin showed in a recent survey that Kennedy in a, in a Democrat primary would win 15% of the vote. But look at a general matchup, a general election. What if Kennedy were running in the general election as an independent? What if? I have no information that that's what he's going to do. Some are speculating that he might. He would draw, what, what, ask yourself this question, would he draw more votes away from Biden or from Trump, presuming that they're the two major party nominees and, and Kennedy comes in as an independent? Would he draw more, more votes from Biden or from Trump? Two to one more from Biden, from Biden. So he's more of a threat to the Biden vote than to the Trump vote. Um, Cornell West, black scholar and activist, running as an independent, would draw 6% of the vote. And again, most of that would come out of the Biden side of the equation. So McLaughlin has Trump ahead four points in a Trump-Biden race. With West in the race, it would be 43 to 38. Um, so with Kennedy, if that were to happen, again, he would also draw votes away from Biden more than away from Trump. And oddly, what's the Democrat Party doing? They're shunning him. Do you remember that story sometime back? I don't know, a number of, a couple of months ago, where they, Biden administration refused to give JRFK Jr. Um, Secret Service protection? Did you catch that? I mean, especially with the history of his family, God help us. God bless them. And they won't give him that. They're doing everything they can to shun him, which only does what? Well, it only would in, induce him more. I don't know if this is how, what's going on in his mind, but would only tend to persuade him more to go in as an independent. All right. Let me just comment for a moment on this. New York case, uh, this business case, this civil case with uh, President Trump um, and the businesses, the Trump, uh, the Trump business uh, uh, ventures. This is ridiculous. They say, "Oh well, he overestimated the 
the overstated the property value of Mar-a-Lago in order to get a bigger loan. So this is what the, this, the, now the New York judge, it was, it was a summary judge. You know what summary judgment is. You know, you present a case to a judge and say, okay, we're going to have a trial. We're going to have witnesses, counter witnesses, cross-examination, evidence, the consideration, a jury, and all, all, this, all this kind of stuff, or however, depending on the case, however it is, it is managed. A summary judgment, the judge looks at the argument and says, you know what, I've already come to my conclusion and just dispenses with all those other uh, pieces of the puzzle. That's what they did here in regard to the Trump uh, businesses. Uh, and uh, the problem is there's no victim here. Oh, he overstated the um, uh, value of the property. Now, of course, people are saying that's utterly ridiculous. Uh, uh, what the uh, when you look at the property at Mar-a-Lago, I've been there multiple times, as I'm sure many of you have. And, uh, you know, what the judge is saying it, 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 it's worth is a ridiculous uh, under under. But even just taking that as, as at its on its face value, the loans were fully paid back with interest, and the banks did not complain. Again, here are the talking points when people bring this up. He didn't defraud anybody. Nobody introduced a lawsuit. Nobody lost a dime. So it's like, oh, okay. Nobody complained. The banks didn't complain. All the debts were paid back with interest. Who was hurt? Where's the victim? This is what, you, this is what we have to say to our fellow voters. They bring this stuff up. And the reason some people bring this stuff up to us, oh, but look, that judge ruled against uh, Trump and his business. Uh, what, what are you talking about? There was no victim. There was no harm. Nobody even claimed that there was. Nobody lost a dime. That, sh that shows, the, you know, it's infuriating. This is infuriating stuff. But in a strange way, do you also find it validating? I guess that's the word. There's a certain, there's a certain, yeah, there's a certain validating quality when we constantly see this distortion, politically made it motivated persecution going on time after time after time. And the lies and the distortion of the law, or you might take a little bit of a of a of a of a of a fact and blow it all out of proportion and try to create the impression for the public that it's a completely different level of seriousness or import than it actually is. There's a validation here, which is why President Trump continues to get so much support. Because ultimately what it proves is that he was right from the beginning in talking about the corruption on the other side. And that leads us to the book, the Democrat Party Hates America. Look, they've got to be voted out of office, pure and simply. They've got to be obliterated politically. I want to jump right away to the sixth chapter. In fact, just to whet your appetite for this book, the chapters starts with the Democrat Party and authoritarianism then there are two chapters on racism, anti-black racism and anti-white racism. 
then language and thought control, then chapter five, the war on the American citizen, chapter six that I want to comment on a little bit now, the war on the nuclear family, chapter seven, the war on the Constitution, and chapter eight is called Stalin would be proud. From its inception, and underline those three words, from its inception, the Democrat Party has hated America. It has stood against the well-being of America economically, politically, constitutionally, internationally. It has stood against America in her values, in her faith, in her freedom, in her security. These are people who hate us. Now, again, we always make the distinction. Grassroots Democrats, I know a lot of them, so do you. We're not saying that they hate America. We're saying that those who control the party, set the agenda, and have allowed the party to be captured by the radical left, the lunatics, they hate America. And so they're using the Democrat Party as the channel for this hatred and uh, divisiveness. But again, as Mark points out here by you know thousands of facts and research and references, it's been that way from the start of the party. Children and the family. There is a war on the nuclear family. I don't have to convince you of this, but Mark lays it out in a lot of details. Uh, first of all, you know, we think of the rights of parents in regard to their children, right? And parents as the primary educators of their children. The Democrat, uh, uh, and again, when I say the Democrats, I'm talking about the, the you know, the, the philosophy here, the left-wing philosophy that controls the policy preferences of the party, they look at parents as exploiting their children. There's a whole mental shift. It's parents exploiting their children and interfering with the children's rights. They buy into this Marxist idea of the communal education of children. Remember Hillary Clinton's book, It Takes a Village? Senator Rick Santorum wrote a counter book to that, It Takes a Family. And that represents very nicely those two book titles, the difference in philosophy here about the, about the education of children. It takes a family. Hillary wants to say it takes a village, and we've seen some quotes from some of these Democrats about you know, we've seen this from, uh, from Clinton. We've seen it from the governor of Virginia, previous governor. Uh, let's see here. I have um, uh, the NEA. Oh, McAuliffe. Yes, McAuliffe, uh, former chairman of the Democrat National Committee. Oh, DNC. Oh, look at that. Educators love their students. Educators and know better than anyone what they need to learn and to thrive. Oh, really? It uh, seems to me parents know their children better than their educators. Terry McAuliffe, candidates debate in 2021 when he was running for governor of Virginia, uh, the idiot said, I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually take books out and make their own decisions. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Yes, they should. Parents have a right to determine what their children learn in schools. They have a right to know everything that is being put in front of those students and everyone who is talking to them. They have a right to object to it 
And if things don't change, they have the right to pull those children out of that program, out of that classroom, out of that school, out, of, out from under the authority of that educator. Parents go in good faith to schools not to substitute for their role of educating their children, but to get the assistance, the practical assistance of educators who are trained in education. We recognize the, the, in and of itself the validity of that training, but much of this is, is left-wing lunacy. But it, it's supposed to be a good faith arrangement where by sending their children to school, the parents are not abdicating or should not be abdicating their role as the primary educators of their children. But the Democrats, they hate that idea. Oh, they absolutely hate that idea. All right. The Democrat Party, Mark points out here, politically benefits from the breakup of the nuclear family. Well, there's enough of a motive right there for them to just destroy any kind of semblance of what, what the Christian teaching is about the family and the role of parents. They'd benefit politically from the breakup of the family. Who votes for Democrats by large margins? Unmarried women. And in 2010, by 2010, for the first time in the nation's history, most households did not include a married couple. Um, there's a phrase in here, the SWFs. Um, we talked in the, in the, over recent years about the soccer moms, you know, but now it's the SWFs, the single woke females. This is a demographic that the Democrat party caters to immensely. And again, it's fueling what they're saying on the abortion issue. Nancy Pelosi said that's the, the, the key appeal to this block of, uh, of voters. Um, the Republicans passed a Parents' Bill of Rights Act to support our children, provide for their education, promote their well-being, and secure a brighter future. And here are the things that it uh, provides. I want you to know, as I re read through these things, this was a bill that passed the House barely, a vote of 213 to 208. Every Democrat voted against it. Now, as we know, you know, we got a couple of rhinos in there. They, they, they deserve political annihilation just as much as the Democrats do. Every Democrat voted against this bill. A few Republicans voted against it. What kind of um, sick virus they got in their brain in order to do that, I'm just not sure. The bill's going nowhere in the Democrat Senate, of course, but these are some of the provisions. What I just mentioned, the right to know what's being taught in schools and to see the reading material. Isn't it hilarious, by the way? It's hilarious and infuriating at the same time. And you got to use this, too, as a talking point with your friends and neighbors and co-workers when you've got people who have gone up in front of uh, school board hearings and started reading from the very books that the children are being given, either in the classroom or in the libraries, and they're stopped from reading this disgusting material. And it's like, wait a minute, if you can't, if you adults here in the room, if you members of the school board can't stomach the sick and disgusting stuff that I'm reading to you from this book, then why is this book being given to our children to read? Why is it in the classroom? Why is it in the school library? I'm proving my point. You guys are proving the point for us. 
by reacting in this way. Is, oh, I'm stop. Have you seen some of these here? You look them. You see them online. See them on social media. Stop, 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 stop reading. Stop reading. Stop, stop, stop. Hypocrites. So the right to know what's being taught in schools and to see the reading material, the right to be heard. You don't throw parents out of school board meetings. The right to see the school budget and the spending. The right to protect their child's privacy. And the right to be updated on any violent activity at school. Whoa! Did you hear those terrible, dangerous ideas just now? Oh! How can any American be... Oh, this is terrible! That's the mindset of the Democrats. Parents' rights over... Oh, my gosh! The Democrats benefit politically from the destruction of the nuclear family. Destroy it. It's not parents raising their children, teaching their children. No, it's parents exploiting their children as far as these Democrats are concerned. It's parents interfering with the rights of these children as far as these Democrat lunatics are concerned. Not one of them would vote for these provisions in this bill. Not a single one of these demented Democrats. I'm going to have more about this. We'll go on and continue in this chapter in the next program. Get the book, The Democrat Party Hates America. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are just alarmed and astonished at the anti-family mindset at work within the Biden administration. Democrats in the House and Democrats in positions of power across the nation. Lord God, you created the family. The family, O God, reflects you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three persons in an intimate bond of love and total self-giving. This is the model for human love. This is the communion of the family. Spouse, loving spouse, giving birth to new life and nurturing and loving and giving themselves completely to one another. This, Lord God, is the model that you have set forth. You have established marriage. You have said, be fertile and multiply. You have secured the role of a father over his his children and a mother in the household over her children. Lord, you have given us the gift of the family. And you have enabled us to, as your followers, as believers throughout the country, to show how that family can thrive when we're open to life, when we're generous. And even as both moms and dads do their do their share in, 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 in being part of the workforce and being in positions where they share their talents and their skills for, in service to the community, Lord, you have, always, you have also shown us that it can be done. One can be a, a, a fruitful, member of the workforce and at the same time love and care for their families. But Lord, we ask you to protect us from these dangerous philosophies that would destroy the nuclear family. May we give witness not only to your gospel of truth, but also by the testimony of our lives as we live that self-giving love within the family. We pray now as Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, friends, it's always good to be with you. Make sure you're connected with me on social media. FR Frank Pavone is the uh, address. FR Frank Pavone, get together with me on Truth Social and all the other platforms, FR Frank Pavone. And uh, thank you to Right Side Broadcasting Network, of course, for all the uh, the good work that uh, we are uh, doing in, in conjunction with them. God bless you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hello, I'm Evangelist Alveda King. Our team at Priest for Life produces many books, pamphlets, audio and video presentations, and other resources to help you protect the unborn. I invite you today to visit our online store at ProLifeProducts.org and see the many helpful resources you can get for yourself, your pro-life group, and your church. God bless you. Priests for Life, saving lives for over 30 years. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.